The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. I'm back. We have got a lot to talk about now that I'm back in control. We'll talk about television. We'll be joined again by Richard Sims, and we'll be dishing some hot topics. That's coming up today on Crawl Call. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's edition of Kroll Call. I feel like it has been forever since I've been here, at least in the control seat here. For a couple of weeks I was away, wasn't feeling well, had some sort of crud. I'm not entirely sure what it was, wasn't quite worthy of being on the radio. Had a bit of a stuff, no, so it sounded a lot like this, and it just would have been terrible. So I was away, and then of course last week we had the special two-hour celebration of SoapCentral.com's 20th anniversary, which is available if you missed it for some reason. If you weren't able to check it out, if you could only hear part of it, or if you want to hear it again, head over to SoapCentral.com slash SC20, SC20. That will take you. You can listen to them. Not just yet. You can listen to them after this week's show. It is two parts, each an hour long, and there are also some video greetings from some of your favorite daytime stars wishing a happy 20th anniversary to SoapCentral.com. But I got to tell you, it's much better to be controlling my own destiny. I don't like that surprises. I don't like not knowing who lurks behind the next corner. So this will be fun. We're going to be back to our normal topics here on the show, hopefully, unless someone else has some sort of evil plan to take over the show, which I suspect our guest this week may. We'll get to Richard Sims in just a couple of moments. We will be talking about one of his favorite things in life, television, and then one of our other favorite things in life, we'll be talking about soaps coming up later in the show, just to sort of bring you up to date on all of the things that you've missed out on while I've been away. I got a lifelong, well, maybe it's not a lifelong ambition. I didn't really know that this was something I wanted to do, but once I was given the option to do this, I was in. I was all in. I got to play the Easter Bunny for my homeowners association for the kids, and I got to scare about four or five, maybe six kids. They cried and wailed and run away. Now, I love kids, but I got to tell you, there was something kind of fun about seeing kids cry. I'm not sure. That probably makes me an absolute terrible person. You can see some of those photos on my social media pages. It's at Dan J. Kroll on Twitter, Dan J. Kroll on Facebook, Dan J. Kroll on Instagram. It's really easy to find me. So there are all the different places you can go. But since we're talking about Easter, there's something else that brings me joy at Easter time. Peeps. They are made by Just Born. It is a company here in Pennsylvania, just a little bit away from where I grew up. They make Mike and Ike's. They make Peeps. They make all sorts of other things, Hot Tamales, Jolly Joes. But they have something new this year. It's available only at Walmart. This isn't a plug for Walmart, even though they were on the show a, a couple of months back. They have something called Mystery Peeps. 
The bunnies are one flavor. The chicks are another flavor. You don't know what flavor they are. They're just plain white sugar. You have to figure it out on your own. They're going to announce what the flavors are on, I guess, the Peeps Facebook page on Easter Sunday. So if you're near a Walmart, in addition to getting some entertainment by watching people, you can go there and get some Peeps and let me know what flavors you think they are. I have my own personal opinions, but I'm not going to share them so I don't skew your taste buds. That probably wouldn't be fair. Uh, You can also go online and look to see what other people are suggesting their flavors might be. In completely unrelated and equally strange news, today I was walking down the sidewalk and a neighbor opened up the door and looked at me and said to me, you're not my mother. I didn't know that that was a possibility. We didn't do a, a DNA test or anything like that, but he seemed quite disappointed that I wasn't his mother. Have you had anyone else say anything strange to you in recent weeks? Has anybody said something to you that just made you look at them like you might be a crazy person? Well, please send us some of your experiences on our Twitter page at Kroll Call Show. The most interesting one may or may not win a Easter gift pack of mystery peeps from me. It could be. So send them, send your tweets, see what's going on. And you know, like I said, I, I'm curious too, since this is a weird time of year, we're sort of not yet in spring, even though the calendar says so. I think a lot of people are acting a little stranger than normal. People are tired of the cold. They want it to be warm out on the West Coast. You have no water, so you are parched like you're crawling through the desert. I don't know what's going on out there, but it's been a very strange sort of weather. It's been strange, a lot of things, and there are things that people are talking about. We're going to do a new segment here on the show. As soon as I introduce my guest, we're doing Blind Hot Topics. First, let's bring on Richard Sims. He is, by day, the executive editor of Soaps in Depth magazine. By night, well, we won't tell you what he does by night, but there are things in between his day job and his night job that he does that involve a lot of tweeting, a lot of Facebooking. Richard Sims, friend of the show, was part of the uh, cronyism, whatever was going on last week that made me very uncomfortable. Richard, welcome back to the show, and thank you for letting me back in control. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I love being here. It's one of my favorite things to do. A um, couple little points. First... Um, while you have gotten me hooked on brownie brittle, you will never <laughs> sway me to the cult of peeps. Why I, am people, I am one of those people who finds peeps weird and gross and just, yeah, can't do it. Um, what no. about, Mar- is it marshmallow? Do you just not like marshmallow? Um, I mean, I don't go out of my way to eat marshmallow, but I don't hate marshmallows. I like marshmallows roasted over a fire. Maybe if you took peeps and roasted them over the fire, although I assume the burnt sugar would taste <gasps> kind of nasty. Richard, uh, yeah. stop your thought. What if we make brownie brittle s'mores with a peep? That I would do. That I would <laughs> totally, totally, totally do. Yes, I would be on board. We'll get Such Sheila G on that right now. But anyway, back to your peep. Upset, you're, you're well, not obsession, you're disgusted with not peeps. Obsession. I don't get that. Second of all, I would like to tell you, tell anyone out there who didn't listen to last week's show, um, that they really should, not just because I co hosted it with Chriselle Stouse, although we were awesome, and not just because <laughs> Chriselle Stouse and Justin Hartley played a game to see how compatible they were, and Justin Hartley is like the coolest laid back dude. He's just, he's kind of awesome. Um, but it was 
two solid hours of, while it may have made Dan squirm, it was just, it was a lot of fun. I don't generally like hosting things. I don't mind being guests, but I'm not really, it's not my wheelhouse. I am not a natural host of things like that. But it was one of the funnest experiences I've ever had. So if you haven't listened to it, I really suggest go into the archive, find it, and listen, because it was a great time. And as I said, folks, if you are looking for where you can find it, you can go to crawlcall.com. It is there in the archives. You can also type in soapcentral.com slash SC20. It'll pull it up automatically. You can listen, preferably part one first, part two second. But if you're, you know, different, you can listen to the second part first, I suppose. Richard, I don't think it'll ruin the experience at all. No, I don't think so. No, except but, they'll hear you say goodbye, and then they'll go to part <laughs> one and be like, oh, look, here we are at the beginning. <laughs> well, that's pretty much the way things go on this show. So we're going to do something that we haven't done before. I'm not entirely sure how this is going to go, Richard, but it should probably come as no surprise to anybody who's ever watched a television talk show or maybe even listened to radio talk shows that most shows, with the exception of this one until today, do – a hot topics segment. Usually at the very beginning of the show, they talk about things that are hot and current. I think a lot of the daily talk shows do this because, well, quite frankly, they need something to fill time every day, and that's a guaranteed way to fill about 10 minutes. But we've never done that on the show until, well, until today, I'm guessing. That sounds right to me. But we're doing something because we don't like to follow in anyone's footsteps. We like to do things a little differently. We're doing blind hot topics. Now, this, Richard and I have worked on our own. We each have two hot topics, at least, that we want to talk about, and we haven't shared them with each other. So this will either be amazingly entertaining, impromptu discussion, or it will be a terrible, terrible display of what radio should not be. So, Richard, I'm going to go first, because that makes me less nervous. You know, this could also prove that we really are one and the same person in that we both do the same <laughs> topic. <laughs> that would actually be kind of funny. Okay, so, and I, now that you say that, now I'm really concerned that maybe we do have the same topic. But anyway, the Soap Central 20th anniversary and, and my birthday last month sort of made me a little bit nostalgic. And one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about is how technology has changed in the last 20 years. In 1995, when I started, we never thought, and I'm, I'm speaking we collectively for the entire internet, I don't think that we ever really thought that there would be streaming video. Not that people could go on and they could watch their favorite television shows or rent movies or do any of that. I mean, even Amazon, when it first came on, Amazon was just books. So I don't know that anyone really believed or thought that we would be at a point where we do that. Now, Richard, with that, as I'm sure you know, technology sometimes has, as I break things on my desk, pay no attention to the noise in the background, uh, technology sometimes has a, a negative side. And one of them for me <laughs> is everybody seems to want to set up a GoFundMe account, Richard. Uh, yes. We have people who use it for good causes, where... You know, someone has medical expenses or someone, it, it's a, a last wish type of thing. There are, however, who people who set up GoFundMe things for 
they want to go to Taco Bell with 20 of their friends, but they can't afford it. So they ask strangers to give them money so they can go to Taco Bell. There are people who make up stories and say that they're, you know, struggling with unknown diseases, you know, Shigella and Ebola and I don't know, all sorts of things to get money from people. I think, and you know what, I'll even extend it into some of the funding campaigns for projects. There's a, a part of me that thinks people submit a whole bunch of money and they get people to put together films or TV projects. And then the person who gets the money, they go off and win Oscars and, and Emmys and things like that. And the other people are out there 20 bucks and really get nothing out of it other than the satisfaction that they helped a project. I think that asking people for money has, is kind of annoying, Richard. Well, okay. I couldn't agree with you more. There's a couple of points here. First of all, the pages where people are sort of setting up and saying, you know, that uh, my home was burned in a fire or, or my child has an illness, your first instinct, of course, is to say, oh, my God, let me give them five bucks. You know, I can afford five bucks, whatever. If everybody gives five bucks, it's going to help them. But, but, and maybe this is just a cynic in me, but I'm like, I don't know this person. How do I know mm-hmm. that they're telling the truth? How do I know this isn't a fake thing? I'm also not really a big fan when... Um, one of the first big entertainment projects that I remember doing, sort of, I don't think it was GoFundMe, I think it was Indiegogo, was the Veronica Mars movie. And that really did not sit well with me because here were people who make a lot more money than any of us mm-hmm. saying, hey, we want to make this movie, give us money, and in return, we'll make this movie. And, 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 and yes, there's a part of me that says, well, sure, then. <laughs> If you're a fan of this and you want to see more of it, you're paying for it. But then it's not like if you give money to the Indiegogo campaign, you then get to go see the movie for free. You still then have to pay to go see the movie. And again, these are people who have far more money than you and I do. So it's, it, I don't know, the whole thing just just leaves me a, a little bit, I, I'm not a big fan of the concept, to be honest. I don't trust anyone. I mean, going to, to sort of, Going off of what you said, I have to tell you when you know, someone posts something on Facebook of a, a hawk swooping down and picking up a small child or you know, the shark that jumps over the boat and in the process dances with a unicorn and farts out a leprechaun. I don't believe any of this. It's wow, just... you have a whole different YouTube than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe any of this stuff. Every time I see it, the first thing I think is, okay, this is fake. Prove to me that it's right. So... I mean, that's just sort of the way that I go. Folks, weigh in on this. Do you believe, and and be honest, have you been caught by anything online that was passed off as real and you found out later that it wasn't and you felt kind of silly? Tweet us at Crow Call Show while Richard tells us his hot topic that I'm not prepared for. Richard, what is it? Well, I can actually use yours to lead into mine. One of the the GoFundMes that popped up this week and became very controversial very quickly was Memories Pizza. Um, in Indiana, as we know, there, there was a lot of controversy as the state passed the religious, um, they're called, they're called, uh, religious freedom laws that basically, um, in some corners were seen as allowing businesses to discriminate against people and specifically against, against gays. And the owners of Memories Pizza stepped forward and they said, you know what? We, you, you sign this bill, we will proudly discriminate. We don't agree. We don't, we don't agree with the lifestyle. We would discriminate. They were immediately besieged with, um, you know, their phone call, phone logs were, lines were obviously jammed with calls. They, they closed their business for a couple days. Uh, in response, 
to want to wanting to help this business, someone of a like mind, someone who believes that they have the right to discriminate, started a GoFundMe. And in the course of just a couple of days, it raised $500,000. The original goal was $35,000 to sort of keep this business up and running while all of this was going on. They raised $500,000. The business has not reopened. And the last I had checked, the no one could find the owners they had basically taken off. Um, so, so that's the GoFundMe angle of it. But here's something that's interesting to me about this whole debate where the religious freedom laws are concerned. Mm-hmm. I have seen over and over and over again, you see it on menus, you see it on movie tickets, you see it on, on, on uh, play tickets, something that usually says something to the effect of uh, the, the owner of this business or the, 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 the patrons of this, you know, we... we reserve the right to refuse service for any reason. That being the case, I don't know that I understand why this is such a big deal. I mean, obviously it's wrong. If you want to discriminate against people, you know, I I then have the decision not to patronize you. But why do we need some kind of special protection to be able to discriminate for religious reasons when every business I've ever seen has that disclaimer that they, they don't have to explain why. They can just not serve you, you know, they can, they can say, we are not going to sell you a movie ticket, we, are, we, refuse, your, we, we refuse your business, and, and I think that's something that hasn't, I, I'm not sure why that hasn't been brought up anywhere, um, in, the, in that that's part of the free market, you can mm-hmm. sell to who you want to, and you cannot sell to who you want to. So let me break it down here. I'm sure this is going to be the only part of this show that I ever do that people are going to pull out sound bits and blast on the internet. However, I mean, you know, we do good, we raise money, we've raised over, what, at least on this show alone, $300,000. No one will care about that. They're only going to care about what I'm about to say and whatever. Here's my question. If you are someone who goes into, we're just going to pick on random stores. If you go into a flower store and you say, hey, I want flowers for my wedding. I'm, I'm having a, a same-sex wedding, want to buy flowers, and they say no. We don't support that. That's not in our belief system. Why? And I get it. That's terrible. It's wrong. Everyone has their own opinions. You know, I know that I come under fire for what I do and do not allow on the message boards of my website. You know, I have personal things I don't think you should be able to say. Other people think that you should. Taking that out. Why would you want to force someone to take your money if Someone doesn't want your business because of whatever it is that you do, because you're involved in an interracial relationship, a same-sex relationship, you're a different religion. Why would you want to go to court and force that person to take your money? I would go in. I would say, oh, you don't want my money? You don't want my $15,000 and I'm going to spend on a floral arrangement? Fine. I'm going down the street to Bobby's florist. He'll take my money. And you know what? He'll take it willingly and do a happy job. I don't understand why... I get it. I'm not saying that the discrimination part is right. I'm just saying if you go in, someone says that to you, I would just nod my head and go, okay, you're an idiot. Move on and find somebody else who wants my money. Honestly, I think it's not about taking someone to court and forcing them to do it against their will. I think it's about 
taking a stand against what they are doing. It's saying, you know, what you are doing is wrong. I agree with you. I would do the same thing. I would walk up. But I also think that anybody who knows me knows I make stinks about stupid little things. So so if somebody did that to me, if I walked in and they did that to me, oh, yeah, there, there would be a lot of problems. They, Here's they, the other thing, they, too, though. They'd be, like, they'd, be like, they'd be like, oh, look, here comes Cookie, you know, because I would be storming <laughs> in their finger wagon. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. I don't think it's really about, I, I really think it becomes about something bigger. I think once once something like that happens, it's like, okay, you want to be this way? I'm going to make sure the whole world knows this is how you are. I'm going to destroy but your business. You here's know? the other thing, and, too. And I don't, know that I, I don't know that I think that's a smart thing to do because I think you end mm. up wasting a lot of time and anger and energy, but I understand the instinct to do it. I do, but, you know, there's a part of me, too, that thinks this is a... Uh, sort of a tangent to this. I respect someone for being honest. I may not appreciate them and I may, there may be a part of me that wants to drive them out of business so they can't use their money for, you know, the forces of evil. But there is a part of me that thinks, you know what, I would rather have someone put out there and tell me what they're really about, how they feel. You know, we've seen it with uh, companies, the founder of Chick-fil-A who took a stand. Um, Dolce & Gabbana have made comments that have since been changed and but but people who speak and say what they really really feel i think that that takes to me it takes courage and then with that I, you can then decide what you want to do if you know that uh, a chick-fil-a or if you know that whatever company has a certain belief system that's different from you i would like to know that so that i can choose to use my money somewhere else I could not agree with you more. I, you know, you want to put a sign in your window that says, you know, we don't serve gays, we don't serve blacks, we don't serve, you know, left-footed people, whatever. Go for it because I like knowing up front. I completely 100% agree. One person who kind of surprised surprised me in all this was um, former California governor and, of course, Terminator actor Arnold Schwarzenegger wrote a letter um he wrote an editorial basically blasting the GOP, and he is a Republican, and he, he was basically ashamed of his party, and he said, you know, listen, we, if we want to get the younger generation of voters to listen to us, we have to stop this. Let's focus on important things like infrastructure and, you know, the economy, and stop trying to legislate, you know, who, who is allowed to love each other, and who's allowed to marry each other, and who's allowed to, you know, like, like focus on the important stuff. But, because otherwise, we're just turning off the enti- every voter under the age of 25. So, You know, I don't know. Like I said, there, there are certain things that uh, I appreciate the honesty. I would rather know what someone thinks full out than have them say something different behind my back. Now, this has sort of moved into one of my other hot topics, so I'm going to let you tell me what your other second one was since we've sort of gone in and discussed my second one. Okay, my second one is about as far away from my first one as you could possibly get. This is so funny and so fun, mm-hmm. and I just love this story to death. So um, for years and years and years and years, the Portland, Oregon airport had this carpet. Very, you know, it's, it's a bright carpet. It's kind of like this bright blue with a pattern on it. It's very 80s style. Nobody really thought much of it until about six, seven months ago, uh, they decided they were going to replace it. And they started laying down patterns, to, you know, different samples to see what they thought looked good. And people in Oregon start, or Portland started noticing, hey, are they going to tear down our carpet? And all of a sudden, this carpet became like the most popular thing. It, it, 
people started taking their pictures with their feet against the carpet and posting it on Instagram. There was, mm-hmm. The, 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 the carpet has now been, they rolled up a big piece of it, and he's going, the carpet, wearing a uh, seatbelt and a captain's hat, is going to be the grand marshal in the Easter parade. <laughs> people, people lined up, like, like I, I don't know how many people lined up to get their picture taken at the airport with this. They have, they have picked vendors who they are giving um, the carpet to who will make it into things and sell it to the public. This town, now Oregon is a fairly unusual. There's even a beer named, Portland, Oregon is very big on craft beers. And there was even a beer named after the Portland, Oregon, the PDX carpet. I think it's called, it's by Rogue, and I think it's called PDX carpet. I just think it's so cool that this, this that, that Portland, which is very much like Austin in that it's kind of like off-center and, you know, keeps things mm-hmm. weird. I think it's so cool that the entire town has rallied around the carpet in the airport. That's just such a, a uniquely American thing. It is. And something else that's uniquely American as we go into our first break is something that I do. And let me know if you guys do this as well. I'm a price stalker. There is something. We won't say what it is. <laughs> Shut up, Richard. <laughs> There is something that I want to buy. I don't need it, but it's it's a kitchen gadget that I would like to have. It's on Amazon, and in my mind, I have a price point. I'm not going to say what it is because if they're listening, they're going to screw with me and not put it there. But I have a price point in my head of <laughs> – shut up, Richard. This is a serious business. I want – I will only pay a certain amount of money for this, and it's – Currently at $35.15, it's not where I want to pay. It gets really close to this price point, and then they jack it up about $10. So I'm in a game of chicken with Amazon over this particular gadget. Do you do this? Let me know. In the meantime, let me just just say, not only is he engaged in a game of chicken, but he takes this seriously. He will send me, we will be on, we will be Facebook messaging each other and he'll tell me like, oh, it's at, it's, it's at 35 cents. It went down 20 cents. I mean, he is obsessed with it to the point where I have offered to pay the extra, the amount between what he wants to pay and what it is. It is the funniest thing. He is like this, he's like this stubborn little old man. I'm not going to pay that much for that product. It is one of the funniest things ever. Well, we're going to take a quick break so that I can set up a GoFundMe page to buy it. We'll be back with more of Crow Call in just a moment. Stay tuned. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hey, so fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now, let's get back to more of this week's Kroll Call. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. 
VoiceAmerica.com. Everybody, we are back with more of this week's edition of Kroll Call. I'm your host, Stan Kroll. We are still joined by, in his current capacity, television critic extraordinaire. He'll be in his day capacity from Soaps in Depth a little bit later. But Richard Sims, thanks for uh, hot topicking with me. Now we're going to do something we're a little more familiar with, and that's television, of course. I'm ready. Let's go. So this is a topic that you want. Well, actually, you know what? Let's let's start with something else to talk about the nostalgia. This got me going as well. Mentioned it. You take a drink every time I mention Soap Central's twentieth anniversary. Here we go. <laughs> it's made me think that I'm not the only one who's nostalgic, and I say that with one hundred percent confidence because in the past couple of weeks, while we've been away and doing things, Netflix has announced that they're going to do a reboot of Full House. NBC is considering a reboot of Coach, and ABC is thinking about bringing back The Muppet Show. So, Richard, it seems that everything old is new again. Does that show that we want to get in touch with things that were good from our past, or does it show that we've just run out of ideas? I was just going to say, which is it? Um, I mean, I mean, who out there is really begging for a Full House reunion? I think that something like that... In that case, I think you're going to get, you know, curiosity viewing for the first episode, but just do people really want to tune into that long term? Now, it also depends on how they do it. You know, are they going to basically recreate Full House, or is this, you know, because all, all the girls that were involved would be older, so is it going to be sort of like, you know, almost like a teenage soap opera now? Uh, there's very few details about that. The Muppet Show, I think, is a fantastic idea, just because... You know, that's a format that, the entertainment format that we used to have a lot of in prime time, and we really don't have that now. There have been little experiments with it, but they haven't been terribly successful. If anybody can make that work, it's got to be the Muppets. And I, I just think that's, I think that's something family-friendly entertainment, uh, you know, show it on Sunday night at 8 o'clock, and it just seems like it'd be a hit. Something that was a hit, probably the biggest hit in at least 10 years, came on Fox. It's actually interesting. Fox may not have a lot of hits, but when they get a hit, they get big hits. Empire, Mm -hmm. phenomenal. You know, millions and millions of people tuned in. Every week the audience grew. They had a blockbuster finale. Uh, Was it March? Was it February? All the time is, is still a blur. However, now that they're planning to come back for season two, the critics... And others are weighing in about what they need to do for season two of Empire. Obviously, they had a formula that worked because their ratings went up each and every week. Richard, do you need to fiddle with a formula that proves that it's working? Do you run the risk of, if you do, that you're going to kill off the audience that you have? How do you handle season two of a show that is a phenomenal success? Because we're going to talk about Revenge in a little bit, which doesn't seem that they did the right thing. So how does Empire not make the same mistake? Well, I think that what you do is you continue doing what you're doing and see where you can, and you use the word, it's a great word to use, where you can tweak it. Um, Entertainment Weekly had an article a week or two ago. Lynette Rice wrote something saying that um, she doesn't believe that 
when the show comes back, it should do more episodes. It was a very limited run. It was like, what, 10 episodes or something like that. And obviously, when you have a successful show, you want more of it. So it would make sense for them to order 18, 20, 23 episodes for the second season. Her argument was that that one of the reasons the show was so good was that it didn't have the pressure to mass produce like that. I don't believe that's true. I believe that what they needed to do, what they need to do, and what they really could have done with this season, um, this season proceeded at a breakneck pace. And as a result, a lot of plot points got dropped. We barely got to know Rhonda, who was one of the most interesting characters on the canvas. Um, we, we had Cookie, you know, basically accidentally order somebody's death and we never dealt with it again. There was almost no, for the first part of the season, Cookie's involvement with the FBI and testifying in the grand jury and all that was a big plot point and then it just went away. Um, you have plenty of material there. One of her arguments against expanding it was that shows like The Good Wife um, and and Grey's Anatomy, they have a procedural background, and that means there's something to help fluff out the season. Um, I, you don't need fluff. So look at the amazing cast of characters they have on Empire. It'd be very easy to, to do 22 episodes of that. Uh, so I do think there are tweaks that they can make, but I, I really wouldn't recommend doing you know anything too drastic. The other interesting thing is uh, uh, to argue the other side, because you know me, I like to argue both sides, or at least see things from both sides. There is an argument to be made about not doing too many episodes. You can easily fall into what I like to call uh, who wants to be a millionaire syndrome. If you remember mm-hmm. when who wants to be a millionaire first came out, it was like a, a summer thing. It was like six or seven episodes, wildly popular. ABC immediately turned around and said, okay, we're going to put this on, you know, we're going to make this a weekly series. Then we're going to make it a day. They, they, they beat the dead horse to the point where within a short time, the phenomenon basically died. It became, then it just moved to daytime and became just another game show. Whereas before it had been a huge mm-hmm. success in prime time. So, you know, there is, there is an argument to be made that you don't want to make too much of a good thing. You can get make too much of a good thing. But do I think that making 18 episodes of Empire is a bad idea? No. I think one of the things, too, that maybe people aren't considering is that probably Empire was filmed and done before they knew that it was going to be a hit. I would have to think. I mean, I didn't see that they were still filming anytime recently. So, I mean... it was. The entire series was wrapped before the first episode aired. So they had no idea what they had on their hands. They had no idea it was going to become this cultural phenomenon. The first show in, I think it was 19 years, to actually every single episode build its audience. That never happened. Um, So they had no idea the huge hit they had on their hands. So, I mean, that could have been a good thing, you know, that you don't get caught up and full of yourself while you're doing a show. That's a plus. But like you were saying, there is the possibility that because they didn't know how it was going to be received or what plot points people would react to, which is something that, you know, we talk about in our world of daytime where things are, are filmed and written so far ahead for some soaps. They didn't really cough. know These what people would <laughs> – there's no coughing. You make me nervous. I'm, I'm thinking you got the cough from that dirty Portland airport carpet that you talked about. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, they, they didn't know that someone would respond to a character or a story that there would be an interest. So they didn't really write it. So, I mean, it probably cuts both ways. I would agree. I would agree completely. There were also, 
there were times when it felt as if some of the characters, especially secondary characters, weren't particularly fleshed out well. Rhonda is the one I keep coming back mm-hmm. to. Um, and, and the reason I come back to her is there was an episode that Charlie and I both found very unusual. Um, she and her husband went to dinner at a rich old man's house, and they were supposed to be courting him to, like, you know, get him to support Empire Going Public or some such thing. And we had been told in the episodes leading up to this that Rhonda was sort of the power behind the man. She was very business-savvy. Um, when they got to this man's house, she got so drunk that she, I, I believe she threw up on her plate at the dinner table, if I'm not mistaken. And, and that just, that felt, that rang so false. That just, you know, the woman who was the power beh- behind the man, the woman who was constantly keeping his, um, his bipolar disease in check would not allow herself to get that drunk at, at a but very, very important She business. had to bang the old man. I mean, uh huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I'm just saying that might be enough. Now, speaking – I'm not entirely sure of the segue, but play along. (laughs) Speaking of banging old men. um, Revenge. uh, (laughs) Revenge. There you go. Segue complete. (laughs) No. uh, We're talking about revenge started strong. When revenge had its first season, everyone was talking about it. It was great. It was great. It was great. Then somewhere along the way – it lost its its footing. Its ratings dropped. Its night was moved. There were a lot of things going on. Now, this season, a lot of people who were critical, yourself, uh, are now saying that the show is back. It's maybe better than ever. But is it too little too late because of the fact that people have already tuned out and they're not coming back to see how great the show is now? Is this the last season for Revenge, Richard? People seem to think so. I have a terrible feeling it is. If you if you are listening and you were someone who watched Revenge in the first year and liked what it was doing then, I really do highly recommend giving it a try again now. It has refound its soap opera roots. For me, what happened with Revenge was it started off being about this, you know, Emily was the outsider who came and was sort of turning all the lives in the in all the rich lives in the Hamptons upside down. It was almost I, I always talk about how on soaps and Revenge is certainly a soap, you need sort of the haves and have-nots. Now, Emily was not a have-not, obviously, because she had infinite resources, but it was as if she was the have-not. She was the person on the outside who wanted to just to, to come in and get revenge against everybody. In the, Around halfway point through the second season, they started losing focus on that, and they brought in the initiative, and mm. it, it got a little Kung Fu fight of the wiki. You know, she was all of a sudden, you know, she was an action figure with Kung Fu grip. <laughs> it, it really lost its way. And last year, at a certain point, one of the characters said something like, oh, let's never say the word initiative again. And I said, yes, it's back. And then it got lost again. Well, now, right before it took its winter finale, it found itself again. And so far, we're about, that was about four episodes ago, five episodes ago, and it has stayed on track. And certainly the end of this week, which I won't say exactly what happened in case you haven't seen it, um, but the end of this week's, you know, continued the really dynamic storytelling that they've been doing, and it sort of turned the entire revenge universe upside down because all of a sudden the thing that it had been about all this time, it no longer is about. So, yeah, if you're listening, give it a try because maybe, you know, maybe it's not too late. Maybe if the ratings go up in the next few weeks, Cold Call listeners can save the show. That would be amazing. Wouldn't that be amazing? The one thing it does have going for it, and, you know, I had thought, like, I thought last year would be the last season for Once Upon a Time. Its ratings weren't particularly good, um, but 
But one thing that shows like Revenge and Once Upon a Time have going for them is that they are ABC studio mm-hmm. productions, which means that they're cheaper to make because the studio does not have to pay a fee to a production company. So that could play in its favor. If the ratings hold the same or even go up a little bit, if they see that they have bigger problems on their, uh, you know, on their lineup, and, and right now they do kind of have some big problems on their lineup, there's still a chance, but I think it's really the definition of on the bubble. You know, a lot of the ABC shows seem to be Nashville is also in there. Also, I would say it's considered very soapy. We talked about Revenge, Soapy, Empire, Soapy. Uh, You know, a lot of these shows are essentially soaps, even though they don't want to really use the word soap. I don't know why. Yeah, it's funny how many of the shows try and avoid that. Now, Empire does not. Empire from the beginning basically said, you know, we're Black Dynasty. They own, they own the fact that they are flat-out soap. They're proud of it. They love their cliffhangers. They love their, you know, their shocking hookups and stuff. They really, they own it. But it is funny when you look at the primetime lineup, how much of television is now soaps of one sort or another. I mean, The Good Wife would never, most people would not consider The Good Wife a soap, but it most certainly is. It's a smart, sophisticated soap, but it is without doubt a soap. Uh, and, and there are so many shows on the lineups that are exactly like that. Even Law and Order has become, after, after a decade of being a show where they didn't explore the personal lives, and that was sort of what was supposed to set them apart, was we didn't really get into the personal lives of the detectives. This last year or two on SVU, it has become very much every, every week, it, it suffers, I think it suffers because I'm a, I'm a big fan of old SVU, it suffers from what I call Season one, Knott's Landing Syndrome, in which every episode of the first season of Knott's Landing, someone came to visit. You know, Val's mother would come to visit, or Karen's ex-husband would come to visit, and they would cause trouble. And that's what Law and Order has become now. Every week, it's, you know, a couple weeks ago, it was um, the, the female detective played by Kelly Giddish, her ex-boss came to visit, and it turned out that he had sexually assaulted her years ago. Uh, the, the, the male cop lead, his, this last week, his sister's boyfriend was raped by his parole officer. It's like, it, it's become relative of the week. Uh, but it's, but it's, so it's become more soap opera, which no one ever thought Law & Order would be. <laughs> and there are even soaps on the internet. Some of them have gotten Emmy nominations. I see you, Anthony Anderson from Anacostia. I know you're watching because you're <laughs> tweeting at the moment. We're going to talk more about soaps, putting on our soap hat. It sounds very clean, but we'll be doing that after a break. Stay tuned because Curl Call will be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hey, Soap fans, are you looking for the inside scoop on your favorite daytime drama series? Well, for 20 years now, Soap fans have looked no further than SoapCentral.com. Every day, SoapCentral.com has comprehensive daily recaps of all the happenings on your favorite soap operas. You can take a peek ahead with the scoop for spoilers and previews or share your thoughts with other Soap fans from around the world on our bustling message boards. 
If you're looking for a little history or just looking to settle a bet with a friend, check out hundreds of character profiles and actor biographies. Now you'll know who slept with who, who's related to who, and of course, who's come back from the dead the most times. Plus, there are exclusive interviews, red carpet coverage of the daytime Emmys, and much, much more. So whether you're watching The Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, General Hospital, or The Bold and the Beautiful, or if you're reflecting on some of the soaps that are no longer with us, SoapCentral.com will keep you tuning in tomorrow. Now, let's get back to more of this week's Crow Call. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Crow Call. I'm your host, Dan Crow. We are... Just giggling away here during the commercial break. All sorts of nonsense. Richard Sims, are you still there hanging out? I am still here, but just so you know, we don't giggle. We chortle in a manly fashion. <laughs> okay, we chortle. There's got to be Chorman. Chorman. We'll come yes. up with the term. <laughs> I'm not the best with the squish names, but the daytime Emmys, the nominations were announced on... The 31st, thank goodness it wasn't April 1st because that would just lend itself to all sorts of cruel, unusual pranks like me getting nominated for anything at any point in time. When Richard, that's going to happen. It's never going to happen. I mean, listen, Chriselle beat up Haley Pullos on our daytime Emmy wrap-up show last year and somehow no one said, you know what, let's award that violence against children with a daytime Emmy nomination. You know, come on. I don't I know what we're doing this here. year. We started the sh- I see a theme here. We started the show talking about you terrorizing children as the Easter mm-hmm. Bunny. Now you're talking about beating up children on the red carpet. Well, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's about full circle here on Kroll Call. It's like the little O in Kroll. It's full circle. I don't know what that means. Okay. <laughs> Daytime Emmy nominations. Quick sort of thoughts as I'm watching our, our time and there are other things to talk about. I have to say, I'm really happy for Allison Sweeney. First daytime Emmy nomination, lead actress, you know her as Sammy Brady on Days of Our Lives. She was there for, what, 22 years, never nominated. Now she leaves and she gets a daytime Emmy nomination. I mean, I don't know if it has to do with the fact that she was leaving and people thought or they just finally took a look at her work and said, you know what, she's kind of great. I don't know either, and that is that is sort of a mystery how she's gone all this time and not gotten one. Um, it, it just is inexplicable. The other one that is inexplicable, but in a different way, is my beloved Elena Tovar, who used to go by Linda Elena Tovar, but she dropped the Linda, um, who plays Rosalie on General Hospital. And I get how this happened. I, the way I understand it, outstanding guest star in a drama series is a category where basically if you haven't been on, you know, you've only been a certain number of episodes during the year. And that must have been where they where she fell. But, I mean, she's up against, listen to the name she's up against, okay? Meredith Baxter, Sally <laughs> Kellerman, Donna Mills, Fred Willard, and Ray Wise. You know, like, like first of all, to be that is truly a, a group of people where you say it is an honor to be nominated. Amongst no, what people. it is, is that's a cast of a Lifetime movie. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. I, I mean... It's it's just such a bizarre thing. She must have she must have been like, wait, really? <laughs> Me and them? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, it's always interesting how the nominees and the nominations fall, which leads us to 
the biggest topic of the daytime Emmys, people who were saying that since all four soaps were nominated in a majority of the categories, most of the creative arts, the outstanding drama series, directing and writing, there are people on the Twitter machine saying, oh, it's not a real nomination because they nominated everyone. You sort of just got a trophy for showing up. Richard, I'll let I you start with to, that one. I have to agree with that, to Seriously? be honest. I mean, <sighs> yes, yes. I, 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 when, there were, when there were nine soaps, when there were ten soaps, you know, you didn't give all of them a nomination. You gave five. So there's only a certain number in each category. There's no reason that they couldn't have said, okay, we're going to go with three. It really does feel like the easy way out. Um, I mean, it's nice that everybody got a, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, everybody gets a trophy, all the kids get, you know, something. It's nice, but I agree. It's, it's sort of disingenuous. If, if everybody gets one, if everybody gets a nomination, it doesn't make it very special. <clears throat> I haven't gotten nominated for anything. So <laughs> sorry, I am... Let me rephrase that. If everyone <laughs> except Dan Kroll gets one, it doesn't make it very special. <laughs> Well, whatevs, as the kids say. Do the kids still say that? I don't know. No. I'm too busy scaring them as the Easter bunny. Um, <laughs> I have to say, here's the thing. There are only four left. I mean, at, at what point do you just say, well, we're not going to have a category? Say that they're, God forbid, I'm not putting this into the universe, so we'll pick another category. Say there are only two circus elephants on daytime. Do you just say, we're not doing an outstanding animal circus elephant daytime category because there's only two do you nominate them both and then people say oh well you're not really that good because there's only two of you and you both got nominations i don't know i have to say that they very easily could have said only three i i think that for me i think it took uh, a little bit more in the way of courage to do all four and i have to say that being someone who hasn't been nominated for anything i don't know you that if so i were better no, I am. I know. But it, no, it's just I'm looking at it from I would be honored to be nominated. If there were four and I'm one of four and, you know, sure, maybe it is a participation nomination. But I got to tell you, it wouldn't mean any less to me being nominated. Right, wouldn't I would still you be more that. honored? But wouldn't you be more honored if you if there were four and you were one of three that got mm-hmm. the nomination? That's more of an honor. That means you actually had to beat somebody to get that nomination. Well, let's just put it this way. In the category that if I would ever be nominated for anything at the Emmys, I guess we'd be like a special class thing. They nominated a Joan Rivers is dead special in a Thanksgiving food fight. I mean, really? Beating poor Haley. At least Haley Pulos got her uh, own nomination, not with me and Chriselle, but she got her own in the Outstanding Younger Actress category. We're very happy for her here at Kroll Call and looking forward to hanging out with her on the red carpet. And uh, hopefully when she does so, she'll have a little golden trophy with her. That would be very Wouldn't nice. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be so nice? She's such, she's such a good kid. I love I her. Think, she's just I have to say, I think I, could, I think I could take her in a fight. I can get that Emmy from her. Well, you know, and it's funny, but you my goodness, you are... <laughs> I am. <laughs> we were just a minute. Well, it's funny because we. I like talking about nice people in the business. There are a lot of nice people in the business, obviously. And you know, we were when we were backstage, backstage during the commercial talking. We we mentioned Anthony Anderson, who who I I just he is one of my favorite people in the web soap universe. Um, I just think he is a, a truly nice 
good person, and and I was so happy to see him get the nomination. I feel like I feel like really good things are happening for him, and it couldn't be better timed to tie it into something you know we were talking about earlier with the rise of Empire. You know, Anacostia could get more attention as a result of the rise of Empire, and I I hope that happens for him because it's it's a show that deserves the attention. I think he's a jerk. No, I'm so just kidding. <laughs> it's funny because you can hear the things he says about you. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, no, it, this is a mild amusing behind the scene thing. Uh, I sent him a, a text message on Emmy nomination day to congratulate him. But since I'm not really anybody, my phone number was not in his <laughs> this is phone. So I had fun uh, had for a couple blocked. of minutes. He had pretend- you blocked. <laughs> well, there is that. Uh, I had fun pretending I was, you know, someone else for for a bit. But no, we're, we're certainly very happy, and I'm I'm hoping at some point, you know, with the new format and Crow Call and new season of Anacostia, he'll come on, and maybe some of the gang will come on, and we'll do a a proper celebration of their new season, and let some of the stars talk about. With the show means to them and maybe even let fans call in all that sorts of stuff but we're running low on the time here i'm watching it tick away so let's talk about some things that just came up before we came on the air supposedly not confirmed yet freddie smith out at days of our lives has already stopped filming and again on the alleged tip he chose to leave the show fascinating richard sims Fascinating. Um, I mean, he's had a rough go of it lately, obviously, mm-hmm. after the accident and all of that. Uh, it's, it's, what's interesting to me is that this is a terrible time. Now, of course, we don't know where the show is <laughs> storyline-wise because they filmed 15 years in advance. But certainly what we're seeing on air right now, the, to me, the best story they've got going is Will, Paul, and Sonny. Uh, there's, there's a lot of problem areas on the soap, but that's not, you know, Dave has 99 problems, but that story isn't one of them. So I would, and you've already lost one of the players, you know, yep. when, when they lost Chandler Massey and he was recast with Guy Wilson, who's been a great recast. But, you know, at this point, do you recast again? Do you recast the other half of that couple? Or do you say, uh, you know what, we're going to write this couple off and, you know, We've got Paul on the canvas. Maybe we take him and make him, you know, the new leading gay man, and we, we see where we go with that and introduce new characters. What would lost you do? Well, you lost Allison Sweeney and James Scott, so you've already lost one big power couple. You're potentially losing saw, another and one. we saw what happened. We saw what happened. You know, when they lost Allison and James and, and uh, Eileen Davidson all around the same time, I mean, that was sort of when the show started to lose some creative momentum. So I would hate for them to, to stumble again with this. I'll be interested to see how this plays out. Spoiler alert for those of you who have not watched General Hospital yet this week. Just put your fingers in your ears. Luke is a killer. He killed both his parents. Horrible person. <laughs> and it, it completely messed up his life. And then he lost his sister. So, I mean, yeah, there was a span of, what, 52 years in there between all these things that happened. But um, people are dropping dead around Luke. Need to stay away from him, I think. To be fair, he has still killed fewer people than Nicky Newman. <laughs> Nicky Newman is the definition of a serial killer. When people were, when everybody was, when everybody in the Newman clan was wandering around last year saying, "Oh, that Stitch, he killed someone." I was like, "Really, really? You people are not. You people are going to Nicky. You're going to sit there and throw shade at Stitch? I need to have a little talk with you. Let's have a seat." 
But I like the anniversary episode. We only have about a minute and a half before we have to wrap it up, so we'll try to zip it in there. I like the anniversary episode. I think for me, Richard, it made the entire Luke Fluke, whatever you want to call it, uh, story that dragged out for a long time for various reasons. It made it worthwhile, and now I think maybe we're done with it, possibly. Could be. Maybe not. I don't think we are. I think that I think we're I think we're done with that phase of it, but I do think there's still the whole, you know, how does what we now know impact the stories that have unfolded in the past? You know, what does this mean? They haven't really explained to us very well what this means as far as um, you know, Luke now Luke now owns Julian's Empire. You know, or is, is a major player in it. Luke, you know, does this, does this impact, how does this impact what happened with Laura all those years ago? Laura has been obviously the big missing element of this story. I will say though, I agree. I think God knows fans were so tired of this story. And I think even, I think even everybody at General Hospital knew that it ended up going on a little bit too long. You know, not because they wanted it to, but because Tony Geary's surgery meant that they had to stretch it out longer. But that anniversary episode, even people who were sick and tired of the story absolutely loved it. And I have to send a shout-out to Laura Wright because she was stunning in that episode. It, you, was a, it was just a transformation. It was phenomenal. There'll be more soap talk on Soaps in Depth. Richard, in 10 seconds or so, tell everybody where they can find you and how to pick up Soaps in Depth. Uh, hopefully you can pick up Soaps and Depths at your grocery store or CBS or convenience store, or you can subscribe to it. You can also get it on iTunes and download it. Me, I think you guys know, if you've ever listened to this show before, you can find me everywhere on the Internet. How rude are you? Soaps and Depth ABC, Soaps and Depth CBS. Or follow me at Facebook at facebook.com slash T-R-A-L-F-I-E, Trophy. And for me, if you'd like to keep up with me, as I mentioned earlier, I'm at Dan J. Kroll on Twitter, Dan J. Kroll on Facebook, Dan J. Kroll on Instagram. You can find my soapy escapades at SoapCentral.com, at SoapCentral on Twitter. And for more on Kroll Call, if you want to listen to this show, if you missed part of it, if you want to hear it again, or if you want to hear any of the shows that we've done under the Kroll Call banner or back when we were Soap Central Live, head to KrollCall.com. Every episode's available there. It's free. For download, you can stream it. You can go to iTunes, download it as a podcast. Lots of fun. We are going to be back next week. It'll be April 10th. This year's going fast. But for more, as I said, go to crawlcall.com. Until then, hope that you have a great week. We'll see you back here next time. We're into home.